0: Good morning, listeners, and welcome to this week's AgriPort. I'm Jim Finn. My guests this week are Connor Kavna from Chagas, Dara Scott from the IFA in South Tipperary. I will also have three people from the Barn Owl Project here in Tipperary. And my final guest this morning will be Anna Mae McHugh with the final preparations for. The National Ploughing Championships, twenty twenty three. Good morning, Connor, and thanks for joining us.
1: Good morning, Jim. Great to be back on the show.
0: Oh, absolutely, and great to be back on a week that the weather has been uh, reasonably good for a change.
1: Yes, it makes a big difference to the past the past twelve weeks.
0: Oh Lord, it does, Connor. People are smiling this week. Okay, Connor, let's look into Harvest twenty twenty three. What's it been like?
1: Yeah, so I suppose, Jim, as we said, the past kind of 12 weeks have been very hit and miss, especially the previous 10 weeks from the start of a harvest um, through to now. But I suppose 95% of cereal crops are actually harvested today now. Um, there is a small bit of late-thorn so spring barley, some spring oats and beans still to be cut, along with the likes of your um, your maize and beef and, and potatoes, but um they're actually looking quite well. The weather's been quite favourable towards them. In terms of the winter barley, winter wheat, winter oats, um it was kind of a smash and grab harvest The farmers were only getting chance to cut maybe some, some evenings and the very broken weather made it quite difficult. But um there has been good progress made made to date and um I suppose with the favourable weather now it's given farmers a great chance to get um get a lot of the field work tied up some of the stubble cultivation getting in catch crops and, and getting straw baled off years at the minute
0: okay and what crops did well in 2023
1: yeah so i suppose it's been a very very variable year jim um in terms of cereal crops and there's been massive um, ranges in terms of the years of winter and spring barely this kind of was primarily down to them um, the sowing date and sowing conditions and obviously weather conditions but um Winter barley, some crops yield exceptionally well up on four to four and a half tonne, but more of them were down around two. So winter barley kind of averaged around, in around a three and a half, 3.6 tonnes, which would be significantly back on previous yield years. And also spring barley crops, there was obviously some spring barley crops set quite early, late February, early March. And obviously we know March came very wet mm-hmm. and the start of April, so um, to a big variation in sown days. Some of the earlier sowns been very done quite well up towards three, three and a half, but some of the later sown stuff was, was was quite back. Um, in terms of crops that have done well, winter wheat, winter oats done particularly well this year with winter wheat averaging just over the four ton and winter oats um, about three, three point seven five ton per acre, which would be quite good. And um, alternative grain crops such as hybrid rye and and oilseed rape done done quite well and. As I kind of just hinted, there's still a lot of beans to be cut, but the beans that have been cut today are, are all doing quite well, obviously despite the difficult weather conditions.
0: You're talking there about weather conditions. Have we learned anything then in 2023 with regard to the timing of putting crops in or because of weather?
1: I suppose, yeah, I suppose having them... Um Having a range of crops is is generally good. It not only does it spread the workload, but it also spreads the risk in terms of weather condition. Following well, from that, I suppose the earlier of the sown winter barley, it can often lead to better establishment and better germination, but um, it also increases the risk of take-all disease, foliar disease, and um, and barley yellow mm-hmm. dwarf virus. So, um, therefore, farmers really should be depending on the workload. They should looking at the the time when they should set sown winter barley. It's depending on the quantity they need to set to get into the ground, but um also um it would be recommending um maybe if possible leaving it until early into October to start setting the winter barley because also um a lot of the grass weeds such as black grass and stewart grone they'll probably germinate in the month of September so if you can wait you're reducing the the weed burden as well.
0: Yeah, very important considering that we have to reduce the uh, the sprays we use as well. Uh, Moving on then to I suppose uh, something that's very important on most farms and most people want uh, straw whatsoever. What has the quality of the straw been like in 2023 and the availability of it as well?
1: Yeah, so I suppose the first thing most farmers are noticing is the straw. You're not going to get the bright bright Mm -hmm. yellow straw, golden straw that, that we have been getting for the past two years down to the weather condition but um. In general, the straw in Bale at the moment is is, is good quality straw. It mightn't be the golden straw, but it is still good quality straw and should make for for good good bedding and and feeding. But the biggest issue is the straw is actually in quite short supply at the minute. With most crops only yielding kind of between 50 to 75% of their standard straw yield, primarily down to kind of poor um, establishment in 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 the crops but also the fact that straws are left in the ground, it had to be turned and twisted a number of times to get it bailed mm-hmm. in a dry condition. So straw, straw quantity is, is quite short at the minute. So um, I suppose just having having patience with the, the tillage farmers when you are looking to buy the straw, that it isn't short to fly and that um, it has been quite difficult to save. So... Um, so it is, is something, if, if you haven't your straw sourced yet, it is probably important to get in contact with, with a local tillage farmer and, and try and get that straw secured for, for the coming winter.
0: There'll be no trouble selling it anyway. I'm quite sure it'll be quite expensive to any farmer looking for it. Moving on then, stubble cultivation, there are requirements around that now with regard to uh, how we treat stubble land once the corn has been taken off.
1: I suppose yeah, Jim, last year was the first year that this rule came in where stubble cultivation was a requirement under under department under conditions. But um, I suppose the the big thing is um the ground ground been left idle over the winter. So ground is not going to get a winter cereal crop mm-hmm. that it won't be sown until next spring. This ground has to be either shallow cultivated. Seventy five to eighty percent of this ground must be shallow cultivated. The remaining 20-25% to 25% is left for the for, for, for birds to, to, to graze any of the cereal heads that are on the ground. But the 75% must be shallow cultivated. This will encourage natural regeneration to come in, or else the farmer can, can opt to put in a catch crop. And what this will do, it will actually hold on to some of the nitrogen and the phosphorus in the ground, and it will stop it leaching into water. And it will also p- put green cover over the soil over the winter, and this will protect the soil from soil erosion and heavy rainfall. So, yeah. Um, it is actually a requirement that any ground that's destined for a spring crop is to be shallow cultivated and encourage natural regeneration. But it's not only disking or, or sub cultivated the soil, but it's actually protecting the soil and it's holding on to nuisance. So it is, it is a benefit to the farmer uh, and, and, and the soil.
0: And... What advice then, Connor, would you give to the cereal uh, farmer uh, with regard to the planning for harvest twenty twenty four? I know it's terrible to be thinking of next year, and we only just finished in this year, and some farmers even haven't finished.
1: Yeah, look, I I suppose that's a good point, But I suppose uh, I kind of touched already is maybe spreading spreading the risk by maybe having having a number of different crops. And mm-hmm. um, right, yeah. Uh, Uh, The second one is actually the two and three crop rule, depending on your acreage, is back in play for 2024. We have had a derogation in 2023, but it is coming back for 2024. So a farmer with over 10 hectares of tillage crops must grow two different crops. And a farmer with over 30 hectares of tillage ground must grow at least three different uh, crops. Um, Also, for the first time, there's a new requirement coming in that um, a farmer must grow at least two different crops. In a landing pass over a four-year period, so that started in 2023 to 2026. So, um, a lot of farmers would predominantly be going, maybe constantly going spring barley in the same path, or maybe winter barley in the same passes. So the new crop rotation requirement means that that farmer must grow two different crops in that field over a four-year period, which is which is something new, which is something new to most farmers.
0: Right, here. and then what about the autumn planting i think you already mentioned it uh maybe I've, for, I've forgotten that that you're saying that we should be putting in those crops early october
1: yeah i suppose the idea time to be planting your your yeah. your, your winter your, life, your winter wheat your winter winter barley is, is 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 it maybe early the first half of october and obviously autumn maybe bit towards the back end of october and um Obviously farmers are probably seeing there's a lot of field work going on at the minute. Farmers are putting in the winter icy rape at the minute, mm-hmm. which is um, going in in super conditions, so that should get a great establishment rape, but am um, I? Well the question we get asked corromptly is um the weather is super the second half of September. Will we go and will we'll get in the winter barley yellow It's not always the best case that the the barely yellow waffles it has been known to uh, from research to take almost a tonne and a half per hectare from from heavily infected crops. So Holding off on, on, on setting the valley till till October would be a big requirement. Would be a big benefit to farmers.
0: Okay, what about soil sampling on tillage ground?
1: Yeah, so I suppose um, for for all tillage farmers to be allowed to spread chemical P this year, um, an up to date soil sample must be in place for every five hectares of ground. So now that crops are harvested, it's an ideal time to be taking these soil samples. Ground conditions are dry, so there's uh, the opportunity to get a good soil core and a good representation of the soil fertility in the field. So a farmer must actually have this soil sample taken before buying any chemical P coming going forward. And um, as you probably heard it from a lot of the news, and even farmers getting text messages from the Department of the new fertiliser database up and running now, that any farmer buying fertiliser from the 1st of September on, if they're looking to buy any compound fertiliser, any fertiliser with uh, with chemical pea in it, they'll have to have a valid soil sample to show that the ground actually needs that P. So now is a great time to be taking those soil samples.
0: Connor, any events coming up in the county that we need to note?
1: I suppose, Jim, um, we're actually holding a tillage event next Wednesday evening in the, til- the, the Chagas office in Clamell at 7 o'clock, and we're going to be kind of looking at um, planning for 2024 season. We're going to have a small look at crop margins for 2023 and discuss some of the new nitrates requirements on tillage farms and uh, I suppose the big question we've been asked at the minute is that what varieties of cereal of barley wheat and oats uh, should we be putting in the ground this year? Something that's going to be robust and that's going to maybe stand up to more challenging weather conditions. So we'll be having a look at that too. So that's next Wednesday evening or the coming Wednesday at seven o'clock in the Chagas Office. Cymel Gym.
0: Okay. Well, look at Connor. Thanks very much for joining us this morning and giving us all that advice and bringing us up to date uh, with Harvest 2023. And just before I let you go, just remind the listeners again of that event that's taking place on Wednesday next.
1: Yes, so that's um, the the autumn tillage seminar in Chagas office in Climel at seven o'clock and all tillage farmers are welcome to attend the event.
0: Okay, thanks very much, Connor. That listeners was Connor Kavanagh, a tillage advisor with Chagas here in the county. Listeners, my next guest this morning is from the IFA in South Tipperary. He is Dara Gott. Dara is from Gortnahu, as everybody up in Gortnahu would know, and he's with me to talk about a couple of things that have happened during the past week. Good morning, Dara, and thanks for joining us.
2: Hey Jim. How are you?
0: Good. Good to talk to you. We've never spoken on radio before, so sure we'll give it a we'll give it a shot anyway, Dara, huh? work away now yeah work away okay tara now there was a big event down here uh, uh in munster during the week as far as the ifa was concerned i believe you were down there for south tipperary uh how did that event go i wasn't able to get down to it yeah Jim. there was uh,
2: the munster regional meeting in charleville mm-hmm. it was wednesday night there and uh yeah, look, there's uh, a a lot there going on at the moment. Uh, farmers are are feeling the pressure now. You know, there's the few big things there are are the delayed payments is one thing. Yeah. Um. But but what 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 really uh what really has farmers under pressure is is the loss of uh, our derogation limit from 250 to 220. And and that was only announced that day. You know, and it's it came as a, a shock, but it also, you know, a lot of farmers at the meeting were very, very worried on where they go from here, you know, and they, they're they're particularly in a, a bad milk price year, and this is the the prospect for January now, and 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 it is a worry, you know.
0: Would there be many of your members in South Tipperary in derogation?
2: Look, look like. South tip would be, would be a a, a productive uh, county as as they say but yeah, yeah look there, there there is there will be a lot of of derogation farmers there i am not exactly sure the exact yeah. figure yeah, but you know nationally we have seven thousand derogation uh, farms yeah. mixed of of dairy and beef yeah um now the the department figures that came out today. There's there'll be somewhere between three thousand and four thousand farmers affected by this cut of, of uh, and depending on where their stocking rate is uh, of what the severity is severity of it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, last year, a lot of farmers who were under that two twenty yeah limit were were hit by banding, you know, and yeah. banding. They had the wiggle room last year. The stock rate went up a bit, but still they were okay. Some farmers rented land. It all happened yeah. to the land last year with it. And that, that that spread the load for them farmers. But, you know, who this, who this really affects, Jim, on the ground, and you hear it now, is is the average farmer. The farmer milking from 70 to 100 cows. They are the ones that are really feeling the pinch. They're very productive farmers. And they're well-established herds. Yeah, they do. The herds are are, are that size. There's probably there's probably a, a a parent and a son and daughter farming on that farm. There needs to be two incomes coming off that. And you know when you have when you have that ninety or hundred cow herd somewhere around there, mm-hmm. they need every one of them cows to pay the bills.
0: Of course they do. And what they have really done over the past, we'd say 30 years, they've started to concentrate on the dairy because that type of farm that you're talking about, uh, if we go back 30 years, they were, put, they were they were a mixed farm and they would have had barley and they would have sugar beet if Dorlis was open or whatever the case may be. So when they started going into dairy then, so now they have dairy on the whole platform.
2: They were well no and to be fair a lot of them would have beef as well. Would they? You know, yeah. I, yeah. I I I, I was listening to to to, uh, to some tier lawn figures there today. Sixty mm-hmm. percent Tier Lawn suppliers have a, have some sort of a, a of a beef a beef uh, system going on the farm as well, whether it be Bullets or steers or, or or stores being carried through or right, a couple yeah. of heads, but there's something there uh, going as well. And I suppose that that's that's a big risk now coming for for the spring. You know, will these cattle land in the marts and be, be just just be sold off for whatever they can make to lighten the load? And you know, it, it, that puts pressure back on the beef trade. Mm. You know, and and it's this cost, you know, it just doesn't affect those dairy farmers. It 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 trickles down across every other every other sector and it has a and it has an effect on them.
0: Right. So that was the big issue uh, on Wednesday night. To what extent then were the price of inputs uh, an issue on the night? The
2: price of inputs uh wasn't so much of a talk on the price of inputs. Look, they are falling. Mm-hmm. Um Fertilizer has come back a little bit from the the previous highs. Now it does need to come back more mm-hmm. in line with the the cost of production. Barley and, and meals, um, they are still very high. We're carrying a lot of costs from last year. Now they are creeping down, but they're creeping down very slowly. You know, the cost yeah. of production is still over. It, it, it isn't isn't meeting it. You know.
0: Right, and of course. The current price for green barley is very bad.
2: I'm not sure where it'll settle. It'll probably be somewhere around one ninety or two hundred a ton after yeah. the current. It it is very bad. Look, I, I'm I'm mm. I am a tillage farmer as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, the last of it went in 2018. Mm. But uh, yeah, look, it it is very bad. Look, the the, the tillage. It's a pity after a great year, last year, a bad price compounded by bad weather uh, isn't isn't helpful at all, you
0: know. Oh, definitely not, Dara. And, of course, the, uh, the other issue out there then that must be taken into consideration, and I'd say that got a bit of talk too on Wednesday night, and that is the price the factories are paying.
2: Look, there, uh, there's, the, the price has slipped.
3: Yeah. You could say
2: nearly for the last... Oh, maybe six months now, you know, week yeah. on week, been creeping down there every month. And we, we we I finished some cattle here as well. And, and you know, the last of them went there this week. And it's uh, it's fair to say that it's significantly lower uh, than what we were receiving six months ago. Now, there is somewhat of a stabilisation in the price, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it still won't cover the cost of this year of what it, what it costed to get those animals finished.
0: Any other issue then on uh, Wednesday night that we yeah, should just hide? Look,
2: Jim, the, the, the other big one was the delay payments right. this year you know and and uh, look, IFA held a, a picket outside, um, outside agriculture. Oh that's right, how did that
0: payments?
2: go? Uh, sure look, it went uh, it went okay, we've We've uh, ifa have always said there, there was no reason for delaying payments mm-hmm. this year, this year. You know, I mean, anc has pushed back a month on farmers. You know, traditionally yeah. anc payments would have come in at the ploughing or there beforehand or somewhere yeah. around there. That's back a month, and I suppose the 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 base and the eco schemes now are split up. So the base is going to come in on the, the week of the twenty fourth of October while well, the eco schemes won't be coming in until uh, Halloween week, the 31st of October, and then the balance in December. So, you know, farmers there who, who would have always had repayments coming in around 10 times or tax bills and that, yeah. these payments are pushed back and, and, you know, it leaves a hole in the bank accounts for a while, you know.
0: All right, so that uh, I could see why that was causing uh, quite a stir at uh, that monster meeting. Well, look at I. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope we'll be talking again so soon, Dara, and yeah. let's hope that uh, things will improve, uh, like the weather has improved over the past uh, week. And let's hope it stays dry when we're ploughing. And of course, we'll have a bit of excitement at the ploughing. We'll have all the candidates for the various. And national positions looking for our vote at the uh, uh, ploughing championships.
2: Certainly will. Elections are starting to heat up <laughs> there now. <laughs>
0: they are, yeah. Without without a doubt. So look, Dara, thanks very much for joining us. That, listeners, was Dara Scott. Listeners, my next guests, they were with me again this time last year. They are Anya Lynch, who, we all you know, uh, is one of the leading environmentalists here in the county. We also have Tom Gallagher, who uh, I suppose, is synonymous uh, with Cabra Wetlands, as is, and I also have Lean Crow, who is also synonymous with uh, Cabra Wetlands, and uh, we're going to be talking about an event that's happening on Tuesday the 19th of September in Cabra Wetlands at 7.30pm. It is the event run by the Tipperary Barn Owl Group, so we're going to be talking about barn owls. Anya, let me come to you first. We were here talking about barn owls again last year. So I suppose the the first question I'd ask you, has the population, with all the work that you do, and you do quite a bit of it, has the population risen in the last year?
4: Yes, Jim. And it's great to be able to say, yes, it has. Barn owls are doing incredibly well in Tipperary. Um, We've definitely seen an increase in the number of breeding pairs that we have across the county. Some of those are in sites that we monitor, uh, which are accessible to us to get to, and some more of them are in sites which are inaccessible, but we would note that there is breeding activity at those sites. This year has been a very good year for barn owls. The preceding winter was quite a mild one, which meant that uh, our breeding barn owl pairs were able to come into breeding condition much earlier than they normally would. So um, I think Tom will probably tell you about the box he has in his Mm -hmm. garden, but um, the barn owls there were definitely sitting on eggs around the middle of March, um, you know, and Mm -hmm. they were back at the breeding site from about uh, mid-January. So that was great. Um, As I said, mild winter, the small mammals that uh, barn owls prey Mm -hmm. on, and they only eat small mammals, your wood mice, your bank bowls, uh, your rats your um greater white toothed the shrews they survived the winter quite well they were able to start breeding a little bit earlier and the barn owl you know so in touch with nature um, is able to coincide its breeding cycle with those small mammal cycles so we had an early year we started inspecting our nest sites that we know of Back in, I suppose, around the first week in June, would you believe it, we still have nest sites still on the go and we will be uh, inspecting those nest sites, those last couple of nest sites over the coming weeks. So a very extended and prolonged breeding season for the barn owls this year. Obviously, the rain can sometimes Mm. hamper activity because the barn owl does not have waterproof feathers, which means that it can't uh, fly in heavy rain. It only comes out at nighttime and obviously the nights in the summertime are quite short. So if you get a very wet night it will fail to feed however what you will find is that on those nights it may make use of sheds where animals are being fed and um, more so in the winter months you know mm. the animals tend to be out for the summer but uh, they will hunt in around farmyards where they may be able to pick up easier prey than they would do out in the fields all well, it's been a really good year this year uh, for our barn owls and we had a national record this right. year so um, at a site down near John Drum, we had the first record of seven barn chicks in the one nest. So that's never been recorded ever mm-hmm. in Ireland before. Uh, so delighted to say that Tipperary had that record this year. There was fierce competition across the counties, and I'm delighted to say we hold that record. Okay.
0: Does that then augur well for 2024 that the population has increased? considerably and doubt that they will be you know that the population is on the rise and that uh, 24 okay we we know there are climatic conditions that might affect it but
4: yeah all exactly being equal, it, exactly jim so yeah. what we'll see is uh with this summer with the early start to the breeding season uh owl mm. chicks came out of the nest quite early which mm. meant that they had a whole summer to uh, i suppose to home in on those hunting skills and to perfect their hunting skills mm-hmm. so that when it comes into the winter months that they've become really efficient, really good hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I said, it's more difficult to hunt in the winter due to the weather and all mm-hmm. of that going on for them. You know, we do know that a lot of young elves don't survive their first year due to starvation, due to inexperience. Um, and one of Tom's young elves from his box there last fr- Friday was found dead on the M8 motorway down near Rockwell College and probably what happened to that young owl was that it left here um, just outside Perlis and he flew off, found some very nice hunting ground in that lovely rough grassland alongside the motorway, uh, very easy to hunt because there's nothing to impede its hunting, it can fly up and down and easily catch mice without banging into an electric wire or any of that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, um, obviously uh, flew into a car so focused on the hunting possibly, went to fly across the road and very difficult to judge the speed and the distance the cars at night time with the bright lights. But yes, if the population goes through and it's another mild winter, we'll have more young elves surviving into um, the following uh, springtime, so it's really important that you know people put up boxes. It's a limiting factor for barn owls. There's, uh, I suppose, our new modern buildings don't provide mm-hmm. suitable nest sites for barn owls. A lot of our old trees um, uh, no longer exist, so the holes in them aren't there. The barn owl is a cavity nester, so they like something to go into. So if you are in a position to put up a barn owl box, absolutely brilliant. You know, best to site it somewhere in around a farmyard if possible, because they are a farm bird and they do like to go in around buildings. So that's one of the best places to put it. You stand a better chance of maybe a barn owl finding your barn owl box, because like I said earlier, they will hunt in those farmyards during the winter when the weather is rough. They'll be making use of the sheds that you feed your animals in.
0: Tom, thanks very much, Anya. we're after taking all the thunder now from the two boys nope. opened uh, it up for them right it up to Tom, me. you published a leaflet or the group published a leaf leaflet during the,
5: uh, the year and you said that the Barn Owl was the farmer's friend Yes, Barn Owl definitely a farmer's friend it was a title given by the children in Belly Car School about 30 years ago when they did a project and they named it the Barn Owl the farmer's friend and the reason was that We have from talking to farmers Mm -hmm. uh, who have barn owls in uh, in, in the environment near their farmyard, they have no longer to put out poisons.
0: Poisons, yeah, okay.
5: Because the barn owl is a very effective vermin control Mm -hmm. mechanism in nature. Uh, One particular man who who had bays and bays of cattle feed. Two barn owls moved into his shed that winter. He had absolutely no need to put out any poison, even though his shed was full of cattle feed mm-hmm. so uh, that was one place uh, another farmer said the same thing right once the owls move in uh Anya mentioned that I have <coughs> out, excuse me very close to the house here. I've had no vermin all winter. I had two mice. Because I was feeding the birds, but I had no other vermin, no rats, no mice of any sort around the place. So it's a great, it's, it's definitely a farmer's friend. Of course, they're a beautiful bird as well. So any farmer who sees a farm, a, a barn owl in their farm, and look at it, they're taken by it. Mm-hmm. You know, as well. So it's it, it's a it's a win-win for both.
0: Okay, and this was sponsored. I'm looking at the the, the flyer.
5: We got that flyer, we got that flyer. It's uh, four A5 pages. Very short, very easy to read. uh, Done for that particular reason, that it would be quick and easy for people to, to pick up, read, a little bit of information about the barn owl, and then what can you do for this iconic species. And the simple thing you can do is, if you're a farmer, let the hedges grow. Anya explained a few mm-hmm. moments ago what the prey species of barn owls are. The, the prey species all, also need to be fed. Mm-hmm. And they will only be fed with hedges that will flower and fruit. The flowers will attract the invertebrates that the mice and shrews and voles will feed mm-hmm. on. And then when, they, when all the berries come and the haws grow, mm-hmm. those invertebrates will stash away those in little pockets here and there mm-hmm. throughout the hedge for their winter. And they will survive the winter with those banks of food that they have stashed away.
0: We've spoken a lot, Liam, about boxes. I believe you're the box expert. (laughs) So uh, farmers need boxes. Where can they get them? Well, we we make them within the group. You make them within the group? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just make them ourselves. Right, okay. Uh, Is there a cost on them? Yeah, there is a cost. Um, Right. Well, we try and get uh, a sheet of uh, marine ply as Mm -hmm. well. They recommend it costs sixty three euros,
1: so we we get trying cut the boxes that we get three or cut the sheets that we get three boxes out of yeah. each sheet. Plus you have all the screws and the timber and all of that. So we don't actually charge for the boxes. Right. But the landowner usually gives us something towards the cost, so there's mm-hmm. no labour involved, no
0: cost for labour. Yeah, we okay. just we do it because we're mad about the outs and how many boxes do you roughly make a year then? Did the group make a year? I'm not saying you personally, but the well, group. Well, so far, in 20 months, we've 52 boxes made and and distributed. So another 52 boxes would do wonders for the oh, yeah, yeah. Barnard population in Tipperary. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it,
1: we've sold them in Limerick. I've not sold them. They've gone to Limerick, Kilkenny and Waterford as well. Oh. Okay, so, very interesting. Yeah.
0: Somebody turns up on next, not next Tuesday, but Tuesday the 19th at 7.30. What will they see
5: or what will they hear? Well, Anya has a very, very fine, illustrated talk ready. And it will bring out the importance of the species and uh, the the wonder and awe that goes with the barn now. How it is equipped to do its job. And she will talk a bit on the habitats. Right. The habitat for the barn owl and how you can enhance that with actually no extra cost to anybody, just to get it, get it uh, uh, improved and enhanced. Most farmers have rice hedges in their land. Those particular hedges can be enhanced so that the barn owl has good hunting habitat. Mm-hmm. And we see that in one particular farm just inside the Kilkenny border, uh, can I name him? Tommy? Tommy Tommy has a farm with fine hedges. He's an intensive dairy farmer. Mm-hmm. But in his farm, he has barn owls, long eared owls, kestrels, and buzzard breeding mm-hmm. on his farm.
0: Okay, so, so I can
5: p- tell you, and he, it's no extra cost then mm-hmm. to any farmer to let the hedges up and grow. And you can let hedges up and grow for decades, they just don't have to have a cycle of three years or five years you can let it grow, I know one man he has a cycle of 10 years for his hedges. that's fine, but I mean the longer you can leave the hedges grow the better for the farm, for for wildlife in general as well as the barn itself.
0: Okay, and Liam Mm. will you have boxes there on the the night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for people to see. Yeah. Okay, and I believe you're having a raffle
5: We're having a raffle. Well, we we don't charge for the event Uh, we don't charge, it's free and all are welcome to come children of all ages as I say Because, uh, you know, people just melt like children when they see the barn on. And uh, we will have the raffle. uh, Probably a few nest boxes and things like that will be raffled. And that's how we pay for the use of the centre.
0: OK, well, look at. I hope you have a wonderful night on the 19th at 7.30. And I sincerely hope, and we sit down again this time next year, that we will have double the barn owls that we had in 2023. To to Anya, Tom and Liam, thanks very much.
5: Thank you. Thank you, you, Jim. Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim.
0: Listeners, I'm after catching up with probably the busiest lady in Ireland at the moment. A few weeks ago, I had a chat with Anna Mae McHugh, and we were talking about the ploughing. As of now, we are nine days away from ploughing 2023, and uh, of course, things are hectic up there in Rataniska. and Anna Mae is going to bring me up to date in everything that. That has happened over the past couple of weeks. Anna may. thanks again for joining us. I presume uh, you're not getting too much sleep.
3: I'm, not, I'm taking very little sleep, Jimmy, at the moment because we're extremely busy.
0: Right, of course you are. And how? what's the field looking like now? You were only really beginning the last day we had a chat.
3: Yes, well, look, uh, now progress is very well ahead on the site in Ratonesca. <laughs> there are many of the marquees already erected and the ground is in very, very good condition, as you can well appreciate with the lovely weather mm-hmm. they're having at the moment and hopefully it will last for the 19th to the 21st of September. But uh, it is extremely busy on site. All the, the contractors are working there and uh, we expect a lot of the machin- machinery to move in next week.
0: Right, so, that, uh, so you're... Shall we say, nearly, I suppose, putting the final touches to...
3: We are. Yeah. We are. And I, I know that competitors around the country, too, mm-hmm. are anxious enough, you know, to get a bit of practice plowing before they come to a national event. Because, you know, there are so many classes there and everybody, of course, is coming to win. Nobody goes out to lose, whatever the event might be. You always go out anxious. And it's not to win, but to get near top of the list anyway.
0: Right. And of course, we are lucky then, or they are lucky, that at the moment we can safely say that 98% of the harvest has been completed. There might be a a little bit of spring barley yet to be cut around the country. But it gives the competitors an opportunity to get into a field near their own home to do a bit of practice.
3: It does indeed. And of course, as you rightly say, the few fine days that we have, and had there over the last week that has helped considerably many of the farmers in many parts of the country now, not just around Leish or Ratanesca, but in many, many areas where there was late ripening and all that, and whether it wasn't with them, like, you know, and yeah. they couldn't get out to harvest. So it has been an injection as well for to get finished before the event and to come and enjoy a few days at the ploughing.
0: And have you now got to the stage when all the uh, plots are marked out for the ploughing?
3: Yes, uh, the ploughing plots, uh, about three, 351 ploughing plots will be ploughed during the three days. Uh, some few have to be marked out on this coming Saturday, but the majority of them were marked out last week.
1: Right. But the now, ground
3: is all clear from harvest, like the ground yeah. is clear from straw and all of that. So all we have to do is go in and just mark out and scribe.
0: Right, so that's one thing that had to be marked out. I suppose the other thing that has to be marked out, and that is your car parking facilities.
3: Yes, we have the car parking all organised. The guardy have really worked all, all along with us for many months now, organising different car parks that will accommodate the people from coming from different areas of the country. So that's all in all. That's done and dusted now, and we have coloured parking you know, coloured coded yes. parking. And the guardi and the chief superintendent even at her media launch there on last Tuesday said to people, Turn off their sat and go follow follow the directions that are given to them.
0: Yeah, and the directions are usually excellent. So, yeah, yes. uh, yeah. They have to be excellent anyway, uh, which is very, very important. You were saying that they are colour coded. Uh, I presume you're using the big balloons up in the air to let us all know which park we're in. Not
3: not really. No. Uh, not really, because um, we are using some, yeah, Jim, uh, but not on all the parks at all because you have to have them manned, and there's a danger element with them if they're not manned, Mm -hmm. because they can be let loose. But uh, there's always a sign, like there could be a big sign with a horse on it at the gate where you come in and where you're going out. And if people take a picture of that, they will certainly know which car park to go to. But look, there will be plenty of directional signs to the various car parks, and nobody should get lost. And if they do, we always have stewards to help them to get back to their cars.
0: Yeah, well, that's one thing. There always is, and your stewards are excellent. I will definitely concur with that. And, yes. of course, the other thing that is extremely important to have in place uh, for the three days, and that is the medical centre.
3: Yes, we will have it. Yes, the medical centre. They will go on duty, actually, on on uh, next Friday, well, the Friday, before the event. Right. Uh, we will have the Order of Malta there, and then during the days of the, the of the event, we have a doctor on duty, and we have a big medical centre set up. Uh, you know that is terribly important. We will have a lot of ambulances there as well, and uh, we'll have our own uh, medical officers walking around throughout the site, because people can get weak, anything can happen, they can stumble or something like that. And uh, it's very this part is very very necessary now, because mm-hmm. health and safety is the top of our agenda always. And uh, we have to have facilities there in the event of some major accident happen, which we hope will not and never has. And uh, so we have that well catered for.
0: Okay, the last day we were talking, you had some people put on a list that you were oversubscribed as far as. Uh, the trade stands, etc., are concerned. Were you able to accommodate everybody, or uh, no, did somebody we lose we out have, in the we end? We have
3: a waiting list. Yeah, we have a waiting list. Now we were able to accommodate some because we mm. extended the exhibition area. Right. But there's so much you can do for so long, and then you have to draw the line, or we'd never get finished. So we we still have people there now. There's always the, an event where there might be a genuine cancellation due to you know, some accident or something like that happening uh, with some exhibitor and Mm -hmm. couldn't come. But in that case, we always took the person that was on top of the waiting list to fit into that location. No no matter how much you offer, and you offer it very early on, people leave it extremely late. Some do, and then they might say to you, didn't you know we go every year? But that (laughs) that that doesn't go at all because, you know, you just have to have it in writing that, they are coming or that they intend to be there. We are happy with what we have. We have a great variety mm-hmm. of, of um, trade stands. Our dairy sector is extremely big, and so is the forestry and the machinery, a lot of plant machinery. Yeah. And we have um, a great variety too, like for other people, like the, the livestock and the fashion shows and the shopping arcades. All that makes it worthwhile for nearly every member of the family, really. Mm-hmm. including the kids. We have a playground for them as well. Dignitaries,
0: then, that you have coming, uh, I presume, uh, His Excellency, the President, will open the Ploughing 2023 on the first day?
3: Yes, yes. And we have, then, the blessing of the grounds, of course, three, th- as mm-hmm. well. We have uh, representation of the different denominations and the um, papal Nuncio will be attending on day one as well and, and many other dignitaries. But look, everybody that comes is a dignitary in their own right, in my opinion. You know, people come there year after year, supporting us, loving their day out, renewing acquaintances. And that gives us a great incentive to keep going. It's lovely to meet them. And some people will come and say, look, we left at 4.30 this morning to get here in good time. And that is very true from Donegal and mm-hmm. the further Saigon, to places. They leave extremely early. Then they might say to you in the evening, "We don't want to go back. Can we get accommodation somewhere? We didn't see enough." But you'll get that all during day one.
0: Yeah, of course, that's that. that would be normal. Anyway, you have an extra little bit of excitement this year. Nothing got to do with you or the ploughing, but uh, the two farming organisations will be, uh, I suppose, canvassing for uh, two new farm leaders. To, with. A new leader with the IFA and a new leader with the ICMSA.
3: Absolutely, and of course, one of the one of the people canvassing, I'd say, very strong is a Leashman.
0: I'd say and so in his, in
3: his own territory.
0: <laughs> yes, you know.
3: And uh, then it's the last, it's the last uh, national plowing before it's a general elections. I don't think that they might. I don't think the general elections will be coming up. Maybe before the next plowing. I don't know. I don't know but, either. Uh, but the, the, uh, the definitely the IFA election and, and the other, they will be coming up before the next uh, Oh, they were, yeah. The, the, so,
0: the, this the, is
3: their golden opportunity for them to do their canvassing,
0: of course. And it'll add that little extra bit of excitement. Look, does, before I let you go, what's your advice to anybody leaving uh, Tipperary or Clare or wherever they're coming from? What's your advice to them? I
3: would say uh, if follow if, the road, follow the instructions that you get. Look, we'll have Gardy uh, as far as Or Linkford, uh, uh, down Tipperary Way, mm-hmm. and up M- Mount Mary Tullamore, uh, Kilcullen, all around that area. I would say to everyone coming, take your time coming and don't be involved, please God, in any accident because there are so many accidents happening nowadays. And for the last fortnight there, every other morning you hear of another road accident. So we'd say to you, drive come early, come early to the ploughing and take your time getting to it and follow the instructions that we will have on load things.
0: OK, thanks very much, Anna Mae. I look forward to uh, meeting you on Tuesday the 19th and uh, let's hope we have yet another wonderful National Ploughing Championships in 2023. That, listeners, was Anna Mae McHugh.
3: Thank you very much, Jim, for having me on your great programme.
0: That, listeners, is Ag Report for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me at the same time next week for another Ag Report on Tip FM. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock. And after that, Eamon The Wire presents Down Your Way.